Welcome back to That's Kind of Wavy. We're your hosts. I'm Jill. I'm Nikki. And I'm Chasel. So, how are you guys this week? Um, meh. Not great, but not bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, hanging in there. I don't know. <laughs> Saw my psych today. We're going to go up in the Adderall. Eh. So, because I was like, I physically feel it, but I can't sit and do anything still. Like, yeah. I would, even if I turn my phone on, do not disturb and have it face down. And like, at the edge of my table, I still like, after five minutes, I'm like, okay, well, let me just check in. Yeah. <laughs> and like, see, and maybe I'll play one game of solitaire. Like, I like literally just can't like not do that. Yeah. Um, and so. And so I was telling her that. And so she was like, okay, like we'll up it and then go from there. So we'll see. So I did take the higher dose today. And I did while like doing the research, I, I actually did sit and read and like just <laughs> just do this. And nice. I didn't even have music playing wow. for like 30, minutes, <laughs> nice, <laughs> which amazing. is honestly a feat. Yeah, so, no, that's huge, dude. <clears throat> for real. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah. How about you, Shaysal? Um, Well, I'm dead inside right now because of work. Um, like literally, no other way to put it because it's like I'm not even I'm not even depressed. Thankfully, um, I mean I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time to be depressed right now. Honestly, I wouldn't even know I was depressed if I was because I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Um, all I know is my body hurts so much that like I it literally hurts to move. Um, so yeah. I mean, in terms of mood, I'm not, I'm not miserable or anything like that, thankfully, but my physical health right now is taking a major toll from the amount of hours that I've been working and how exhausted I am because I haven't gotten adequate sleep in so long. So hopefully I can get more sleep tonight. It's crazy how much, like, even though your job's not like manual labor, like stress, how much stress and like lack of sleep can have like a physical toll. Dude, I can't believe it. Like I can't like every day I keep thinking I'm like, why am I so fucking tired? And and it's like I'm not I mean, I know I'm doing a lot, but I'm like I'm I alternate between like standing and sitting at my desk because I have like a standing desk thing. And yeah, it's just like every day I'm like, how the fuck am I so tired? But again, I mean it also doesn't help that I haven't had time to eat. Like typically my meals now are like I'll have like yogurt in the morning and then my lunch is two hours after my start. So I, so I usually have a small breakfast and then I have my lunch, which I can, since I've barely had time to do anything, I, I finally got groceries for the first time in a while last week, which was really nice. Um, but now I'm running out again. And because of that, I have to like order food and when I order food, it gets here like 20 minutes before my lunch is over. So then I eat like three quarters of it and then I have the rest left that I can eat, like take bites of throughout the day. And then it's the end of the day and I'm dead and that's my meal for the day. So yeah, that's how I'm feeling right now. Good like stuff. Yep. Yep. So that's, yeah. So changes need to be made for sure because my body, <laughs> even, even this, my voice, like I, I'm just like this every day now, which I know I talk on the phone for my job, but it's not that it's definitely not just that it's my exhaustion. So yeah, I, yeah. I need to change. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then I think it'll be like, honestly, even just having more time for a meal in the middle of the day and to like regroup will make a difference, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I think I really, I just really need to start finding a way to make my, my time, my little time off 
to something like that is somehow rejuvenating because right now it's not at all. I mean, like literally my, I, I literally don't have time to clean anything. Like, I mean, I can do dishes and stuff, but like my bed is a fucking shit show, but there's no option. There's no option yeah. to do something yeah. different. So hopefully this weekend, I maybe, maybe I can get some of those things in order so I can, so I, I, cause my place right now, although I did clean my common area, my place in general is so crazy that like, it's hard to even think right now, but, um, yeah, but in, in better news, um, like, see part of the, the part of the reason why I'm going so hard at this job is I want to have money to do the shit I want to do, which one of those things is I just got, just paid for my consultation for a nose job. So hell yeah. Yay. Yeet. Oh, so did you have to pay for it? It's not free, yeah, a free three, consultation? I, I literally couldn't believe it because, like, it's a consultation. I've never heard of a consultation. Especially for, like, something like this. Like, which I guess I get their time is valuable, but, like, it was $300. Oh, my God. God. That's bullshit. It should be, like, if anything, like, 50 bucks max That's to be, I like, okay. I'm taking, I like, 15 minutes. Like, I can't like, imagine it would take that long. And the thing is, I actually, this, the earliest I'm on a wait list in case they're earlier, literally in my mind, I was thinking, oh, maybe I can get a nose job in June and like plan it out so that it doesn't affect my festivities. And that way before Lala, I can have a new nose that would be lit. Um, no, my consultation is August 5th because that's oh. the earliest that he has. Oh my God. That's cool. That's Cole's birthday. But oh, um, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, real. Cole. She sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but um, that's a, remember, I mean, I ended up not working out but when I was gonna get Kybella oh, yeah. remember just for mine I had to schedule oh, like God, yeah. two months out, out and it was like that's not even like a full surgery yeah you know it's essentially like it's a bit more intense than Botox but it's just like injections like that so it's like why I don't know so right. it's insane right. I my friend in the UK um she we were talking about like pricing of Kybella and stuff and for me to do it it would be like two grand for or like fifteen hundred per session. And you usually need like at least two or three for her to do it. Like she goes and gets like the whole thing done. Like the total price was like nine hundred dollars. Yeah, literally. Wait, I was what? thinking like maybe I should yeah. plan a trip to a different country for a nose job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I'm I'm not joking. Like the if you compare prices online, if you look up pricing, the like especially stuff with, like Kybella, like the chemicals they're using, the it's only that expensive because of how insane the American beauty industry is. It's not because it's expensive. The chemicals themselves are expensive. Yeah. Damn. I knew that in other countries, like procedures were less expensive. Actually, we should do an episode on plastic surgery. Now I'm thinking about it. Honestly, um, yeah. yeah, we should. Um, I know that other countries have less expensive options and stuff, but I always thought it was a little sus when it was, but like, I, I guess I hadn't thought about the fact that it's because of like the insane fucking demand that there is here for that stuff. But I know like on yeah. nose job TikTok, for example, a lot of people, a lot of people go to Turkey for their nose jobs. And they I have was going to say people from my um my job in Maine were planning to go to Turkey to get like dental work done. Oh, because it's so much cheaper. And what's insane is then, yeah, by the time you pay for the flight and the work, it will still be cheaper than yeah. getting it done. And you America. get to go oh. on a vacation. <laughs> Okay, see, that's better because the thing is, I even considered that, which I mean, I definitely have time. And I, I think if I, I think that if I cancel on time and get this deposit, what's annoying is literally I could go to this consultation and choose not to proceed or something. And it's $300 still. Yeah. Which is crazy. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, it goes towards a procedure, but 
I, I, in my mind, I thought, oh, but like, yeah, it's cheaper in Turkey, but by the time I plan everything and everything, like, would it be um, cheaper? But like, I, I mean, if you guys are saying that, then maybe it is. I well, mean, for that, like, I was just going to say the pricing of in the UK, if it's 900 for Kybella total and my flight, my plane ticket out there was 900, that's like 1800. That's the price of one session in America. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Sorry, I but guess, I was just going mean, to give an example yeah. of pricing. Definitely more to consider, which like I'll definitely, you know, talk to you guys about like eventually when I do my research. But yeah, it's like I thought, OK, yeah, maybe what if I do? Because honestly, the nose jobs are so like the fucking love what the noses look like. And this girl was like TikTok, like one of our TikToks was like about how everyone around the airport, not everyone, but a lot of girls in the airport also just had like, you know, we're just <laughs> they're so oh my noses. God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like on the plane to just a bunch of people like that. I'm like, hell that yeah. That would be painful. I took on a plane after getting like your nose. That's the thing. I was thinking like, how the fuck, like how the yeah, fuck how am I going to like. weird to do that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I know it wouldn't be right after. So it's like, okay, well now I have to be recovering in another country. And the thing is, I can't go alone. I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. Yeah, so no, that's like, not safe. <laughs> that's not safe. So it's like, okay, so see, that's it's a whole, that's the thing. It's It's almost like at that point, it's like. I, mean, I don't even know what this is going to cost. So, like, I have no idea. <laughs> I'll go but... with you and get my chin lift. We'll do a yeah, little I'll surgery. Yeah, I'll come too. We'll, we'll I mean, go honestly, we can take a little, rendezvous, a little plastic surgery party. <laughs> God. Surgery honestly, trip. Honestly, hell yeah. <laughs> surgery check. <laughs> That's why I'm like, I, like, obviously, like, we know we're not, I don't know shallow like that but it's like i almost like feel bad being like i'm gonna go to another country to like change how i look <laughs> like it's like that it like the amount of privilege in that is like oh, yeah. no i know but i'm like okay at least like i we can see like we're in a very privileged position to be even like discussing yeah, the concept of like <laughs> traveling like across the ocean <laughs> for yeah, for a new nose oof i mean i mean it's like i'm not saying we should do it. I'm just saying, like that is right. we're lucky to be able to do that. No, so right, see, we're not right. even privileged enough to be able to afford to just get it done here. No, True. literally, True. we gotta <laughs> ship ourselves out. <laughs> literally. Um. So yeah. So that's that's a bright side. I mean, there's other bright sides to life right now, right? But that's a bright side to the direct fucking sacrifice that I'm having right now with my work. Is like, oh, I can I can just choose to get a nose job now, which I could not do before. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How about you, Jill? How have you been? Um, well, over the weekend, if anyone was looking at the news, um, there was mass shooting in my town, which I'm trying not to like get really sad about it right now. But that's I mean, it's been like really, really affecting our community as a whole. And it's hard to not like have that on the mind at all times. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm okay, like physically, but it's really hard to see how everyone's been deeply affected. And like a lot of the people that I work with, I work in the the part of town where it happened. So a lot of people that work at our company, like live in that area also. And it's hard to think about how I'm sure a lot of those people have been directly affected. Yeah. Like, oh, I shop at that grocery store. Yeah. Right. Because it was a grocery store. Or was it a... Yeah, yeah, it was out of yeah. tops. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I'm sure that's really hard. Are there like a ton of memorial stuff 
Yeah, there's like, like so that. much stuff going on to donate food, um, like free free food and like yeah, random the like groceries and hygiene products. Yeah, so it's really like that side of stuff, like seeing everybody come together and like work to try to uplift that community has been like really beautiful and nice to see. But it's sad that it's due to something like so horrific. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry that. I don't know. Like you said, that's just something. How do you not think about that? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's good that you can see like there are. I don't know. It's good that your community is coming together and like trying to make it as po- positive as it can be. Like ob- not even positive, just less negative of a situation. Yeah. So yeah, I'm happy to hear that. I'm glad you're hanging in there at least. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jill. That's I mean, it's literally so fucking tragic. It's so tragic. And I, I mean, just hearing about it from anywhere it's so it's so upsetting and painful to hear and then even more so obviously knowing you're there which thank god obviously like thank fucking god that nothing happened to you or anyone you know or anything like that i mean that's still terrible that it happened to anyone at all but um but it's even like sadder to think like the way that it must be like i can't can't imagine what it would feel like there because i i feel that from afar and i can't imagine like actually like in the town that you grew up in and everything i know that it was like a, a certain area that maybe you didn't directly grow up in but still it was buffalo like yeah and just anywhere the shit this shouldn't be fucking happening yeah God, and like yeah. It's, it's so fucked up that this is like such a clear example of like white supremacist domestic terrorism and to like have that be the thing that like all these people have to rally against and like accept that this is the reason why their families were taken from them or ripped apart is like so it makes it so much worse for me yeah 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 well and then it's just it's also on top of all that like how many times does this have have to happen now for something to change yeah so they're insisting on like taking away woman's bodily or female bodily autonomy i guess i would i don't know people with ovary bodily autonomy um but god forbid we take away people's rights to have guns you know it's like why are we the battles that this country picks and chooses are so stupid i know yeah like if this isn't a clear example of a reason why we should like maybe maybe just maybe submit one bill considering anything to do with gun reform um then i truly like you know, I, I thought that shit about Sandy Hook, too. But I'm like, well, it doesn't make any sense why we didn't do anything then. So why would it make sense that we would do something now? Like, as helpless as that sounds, it's just like how... It's realistic. Like, that, that I don't even true. remember when that happened. Like, how many years ago was Sandy Hook? Like, over 10? I think we were in high school. Yeah, definitely yeah. over 10. Like, it's so fucking infuriating. Yeah. Well, and Damn it's like- just like... Go ahead, Chiselle. I, I, like, I mean, I obviously didn't forget about that, but it wasn't, like, a, that event hasn't been on, like, on the top of my mind or anything. I like, and since there's been so many shootings since then, it has not been the one that I've been thinking about more recently. But I remember, like, the discourse at the time, too, was, like, which it still is. And, like, if they're not doing anything, yeah. then I remember even, like, not fully. I mean, we were in high school. I understood. But I understand more now and experiencing, unfortunately, so many more tragedies happening since then in many ways. Um, I just, I can't. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it because you're right. If there's one thing, if there's any way, I mean, it's just like the classic, the children argument. Yeah. It's like, that right. didn't work. 
If like, they that care is, that so much the, about abortion, how are they I'm not going to do anything? Yeah. No, so, like, that is that is the ultimate. There is that if you are trying to pull like the last, like the last inkling of hope of like, maybe this will get to them. Maybe if nothing else does, this will. And that did it. <laughs> so like, OK, yeah. what, what else? Because right. God, God loves guns. And he, hates yeah, he has a gun. Women. Jesus loves guns. If God he, loved and- guns, he would have shot Satan. <laughs> True. True. If God loved guns so much, why did it take them so long to invent one? True. Yeah. I couldn't dinosaur shoot down the meter. <laughs> Meteor. They should have had a gun in the Bible. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Period. They have a Glock. Oh? Yeah. Judas pulls out a Glock. <laughs> <on> Jesus. <laughs> it says that in the Bible. <laughs> my light just went out hold up oh it didn't go out i accidentally like kicked the thing off i guess oh thought you meant your whole power but then oh, i was no. like wait you're on the computer still <laughs> that was god yelling at you for making fun oh my god, of his, yeah. his glock he was like that was actually a secret you weren't supposed to know there's actually he's gonna get you with his gun <laughs> We're back and we're back. All right. Should we get on topic, yeah. I guess? All right. Yeah. So after all that lovely. Yeah. After all that really sad shit, we're going to talk about even more <laughs> sad shit. <laughs> yeah. We should definitely trigger warning this. Yeah. So, okay. So today we are continuing our series of episodes on pedophilia in Hollywood. So trigger warning, this episode is going to contain... A lot of information about abuse in multiple forms, including emotional, possibly physical and sexual abuse, um, as well as at the hands of like older predatory men and also parents. So if any of that is triggering for you, maybe skip this one. Um, But yeah, just disclaimer at the start. So that was a little... um, brief preview of what we're going to be talking about (laughs) with all those different types of abuse. But yeah, so this is going to be our episode focusing on the abuse that children have faced in the entertainment industry. Um, So yeah, we're going to cover a few different aspects. Nikki, if you'd like to begin. Sure. So I kind of looked at I realized also this is probably we could probably analyze the sexism of this of like well actually okay I looked up like stage moms and I realized I should just be looking up like stage parents because there are like insane dads obviously but it is really interesting that there are a lot more stories about moms being like that true and I think yeah uh, even like when I was researching there was what like a couple that were the dad, like, obviously, like, Britney Spears' dad is a classic, and then mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin's dad was really intense, um, and, but usually it's the mom, and I wonder if that's, like, I feel like stage parents are usually, like, living vicariously through their children, um, yes. and so I wonder if it's usually because, like, women are told that we're supposed to, like, be, like, beautiful movie star, stuff like that, and so we feel, like, the mom feels more, like, gypped of that than a dad would, because it's not as, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. not that men don't yeah. want to be actors, but you don't. You know what I mean? It, they're right. not like taught that that's like one way that they can be valuable, <laughs> right. right? One way to get worth in the society. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, 
I just, yeah, looked up a bunch of different examples of ways that parents were stage parents. Um, Because to me, that's like a really important thing to discuss because obviously all of it's like important, but I feel like usually like we're hearing about like directors or producers or like people on the set that are abusing. And I think it's really important to acknowledge like the parents are there and like (laughs) either allowing this to happen or encouraging this to happen or doing it themselves. Um, And I think like that they should be the last line of defense. Like the parents should be the ones at the end of the day, like protecting their children and they're not. And so I think like that then allows like, Jill's going to look more into the sexual abuse. Shaysel's going to look at the, like, psychology. Like, I feel like the parents are the first ones to, like, start that domino effect because they're allowing things to happen. Yeah. Right. True. Um, so, okay, yeah, I'll just kind of go through some examples and we'll kind of discuss them. Um, so, one, the first thing I was reading about was Drew Barrymore. Um, she... Uh, her mom was her abuser and she introduced her daughter to Studio 54 um, oh. when she was nine My God. and what? made her dance yeah made her dance with famous men and take drugs with them because her mom wanted her to like be a socialite and, Wait, like, um, quickly wasn't her she mom was also in the industry Jade? or is that her grandma you're I, know I think it was she, her grandma. she's a nepotism baby because okay. it was an Instagram post or some shit a while ago that I was surprised yes yeah, I think and it was her it, grandma. Yes. Okay. Damn. Um, But yeah, Drew Barrymore recalled how her mom took her on nightly outings with her adult friends for five nights a week for a year. Child star began describing herself as a party girl and dabbled in cocaine and alcohol. Um, and yeah, oh she, God. the child star became a daily cocaine user at the age of 12, which is so fucked. Wow. I literally um, never, the fact ever she, would like, have guessed that. I know. The fact that she's like relatively fine like developmentally at yeah. this point in time is insane. is insane well so after um after that she ended up she spent 18 months in a psychiatric facility oh well um okay and then at 15 she filed for emancipation so i think going oh. to the facility and then getting eman- emancipated allowed her to like get clean and so it's like i mean obviously she still was addicted to cocaine but it didn't like I think if she continued for years and years, we would see a lot more of the effects. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I had no idea that Drew Barrymore went through that, which kind of goes back to everything we're talking about. How like I have a question. Do people you know don't talk her about mom, Was her mom like legally punished in any way? Not that I know of. It didn't say anything. Cause there's no like damn proof, basically. Like, you know, like what are they gonna like at that point, Drew Barrymore could be like, she made me take coke, but it's like, there's no like blood samples or anything right. like that. And also, when do you know when she was born? Like in the 80s or something? Because yeah, the 80s, everybody was doing coke and like That's smoking true. while they were pregnant still, and they didn't really know anything about yeah health effects of that shit at the time. This is a complete side note, but one thing I think is insane is that there's not a legal... If, okay, going back to people are so obsessed with fetuses if abortion is murder why is there no like legal ramification for women who abuse drugs and alcohol while they're pregnant because that's like child abuse and child endangerment endangerment yeah. then so I like if you really no 
I didn't know that there was no like legal punishment for that. Okay. Yeah. These are all like really depressing stories, by the way. Yeah. Um, so Brooke Shields, um, she was born in 65. In 1975, when she was 10, her mother com- commissioned a nude photo shoot of her for oh the sugar God. and spice brand, which was public was a publication by Playboy. The fuck? So she in a what? Yeah. I know. Just like like straight up distributing child child pornography. What the fuck? Um, no, because the pictures weren't (laughs) sensual in nature, even though she was fully naked in a bathtub. And like there was one where she's like covered in oil. And like one where I did see I like found censored photos because obviously I don't want to see the uncensored stuff. Yeah. Um, but She's like she has like a shower head, like a detachable shower head, and is like holding it like on part of her. Like it's very like, yeah, okay, it's not like blatantly like a pornography shoot, but it is like sensual, if not it's suggestive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, also like, it's in Playboy. Like, right, it's like- in no, it's in Sugar and Spice, which is <laughs> think about like I'm trying to think of what is was it, it geared for like kids? It no, it's, it's artsier. <laughs> It's oh, artsy. It's so awesome. even oh. though it was, it, so it was it's a little zine. No, but it still had like f- naked ladies in it. I see. We're just like it's more tasteful. Of... Oh, so, it's the higher class. Yeah, I see. So, um, see, well, that's what issue... that's the shit that I mean though. Like where, like that is like that's not even subconscious of telling people that pedophilia is okay that's just whole ass being like here you go yeah it's explicit like <laughs> yep this is fine socially this is fine yeah yeah well it gets worse in oh, this about this so she's in she's in that magazine and she's not described as this but within the same issues um it contained three other pages featuring photos of young girls that they called nymph nymphettes nymphettes not the lolita young nymphs and then defined as attractively and sexually mature young girls um and she after that was in a couple movies where she was like sexualized when she was like 14 and they called her the lolita of her generation oh my god yeah i hate that so no i'm pretty sure we've talked about lolita on this podcast before too i'm sure we have after all of that like a few years later, her mom, her mom's the one who signed her up for the shoot. But then a few years later, she was like, um, this could actually be really damaging for her career. So <laughs> she like sued the photographer and was like try- to get it so he couldn't like profit off of the images anymore. And the mm-hmm. judge was like, no, like you signed <laughs> off on it. Like you consented to it. Like the judge should have been like, this is child pornography. So no, but like. The judge was like, it's not sexual in nature. So, blah, blah, blah. Oh but the judge did like bitch the mom out and was like, you can't like want to be her mother and want to exploit her at the same time. Uh, essentially, true. it was like, oh, now Damn. you want to be maternal because you're worried it's going to affect her. But you had no problem signing off on these photos. Like, right. Because you're worried it's going to affect your ability you. to make money. Yeah. So but apparently Brooke's mom declared her desire for her to go into show business just five days after she was born saying she's the most beautiful child and i'm going to help her with her career oh my god so again it goes back to like why are these like 
parents fucking psychotic. So that was one. I think that's like the most extreme like sexual exploitation uh, that I've that I read about. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is interesting that that was in the 70s and Sugar and Spice got discontinued like it didn't run that long but it's just like it is interesting like that would never happen nowadays like that would never happen well even when we watch an open secret i'm pretty sure part of the issue that was going on was that like this couple who i'm pretty sure one of them was like younger i don't know if they were underage when they got together but there was definitely like a 20 year age gap they created some like literally like an isp server or something i read and that they would distribute basically like photos like headshots of child actors and they would like bid and sell them on this website to child predators yeah oh my god God. okay basically so not that that this kind of stuff doesn't happen but it's just a naked photo of a child yeah would not be printed in a magazine right, right yeah so, but that is different yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but like this social outrage of like blatant exploitation in a sexual manner of children yeah like that now, would just I get you would not by the fbi in a yeah like literally yeah they would you would automatically get sniped if you tried to do that like <laughs> true they would literally. just post up outside your window yeah. <laughs> um then I, I'm not going to go super into this because I feel like this is pretty like well known in pop culture. But Lindsay Lohan um, obviously like really struggled with the child actor like pipeline, basically. Um, her parents divorced in 2005, but Lohan, Lohan, Lindsay, I, the <laughs> notes I have are calling her by her last name. I know. Lindsay um, was close with her mom still and they were caught drinking, doing drugs and getting DUIs together love oh mommy daughter DUI Jesus yeah well and then um (laughs) yeah she there's tons of photos of the two of them like out partying together um and then obviously we know like Lindsay like was strongly addicted to a lot of different drugs and like Mm -hmm. had like a psychotic I don't know if it's technically a psychotic break or maybe like no because that's you need to go into psychosis but like she had like a mental break yeah like yeah the pressure and everything or like just the intensity of using and all that kind of stuff so that's just to me an example of like the parents like living through their kids or she's like oh my god now i can go to hollywood parties because like my daughter's yeah. there it's like why are you going that to hollywood so parties with weird. your teenage daughter <laughs> yeah another classic is judy garland um which i did know this stuff i don't know I don't know actually like Lindsay Lohan obviously everybody knows I don't know how much people how many people know about Judy Garland I didn't know Uh, that until you mentioned it to me one time like I had no idea yeah um it's really sad so one a quote from Judy Garland is the only time I felt wanted when I was a kid was when I was on the stage performing which is so fucking sad that is so fucking sad and I think a big a big thing of all of this is like they they feel as if their self-worth is wrapped up in like their ability to like make money yeah yeah. you know so um judy so this was back in like the she she was in the wizard of oz right yeah so she was born in 1922 so this was in like the 30s and 40s well actually so she was 17 in the wizard of oz which is crazy she was really young she looks older than that I feel but like I everybody looks like older back then. Looks old. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, 
but everyone was smoking ten apparently <laughs> one thing i didn't know is that Liza until i was older i knew this for a while now but that liza minnelli is judy garland's daughter what um i well, did know that i did know that but i can't remember where i learned it but i was also like so fucking shocked when i heard that not really everyone yeah. in fucking hollywood is a damn napo baby which makes it even con- more confusing because i'm like you already had your chance to go to hollywood parties it's true though yeah so but yeah so this is in like the 30s when like so she her mom would take her to like nightclubs but like 1930s nightclubs not like it's literally like the gatsby kind of yeah like the, the gatsby piano music, music. <laughs> uh, yeah no so she would go and she would perform at on those like stages oh. those small stages but like as a child um and like one of the places was raided for gambling like during garland's performance like it's just like so they were like sketchy places. Her mom would be like, oh let's God. get you on stage. Jesus. So when she was 10, um, her mom started giving her diet pills. Oh, my God. But what's even better <laughs> is that they weren't even diet pills. It was just speed. I was going to say. I knew it. it. I was going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, But then she was like, oh judy it's bedtime you're a child you have a bedtime time to go to bed so she would give her sleeping pills oh to counteract the speed that she gave her during the day what a good mom Um, wait hold up so the mom i mean obviously this mom's fucked but like so it's not just like oh they found out after that it was actually speed the mom knew this is speed the drug oh yeah like yeah okay she was like this is i'm giving her straight ecstasy um oh and God. then she ultimately conspired with the studios to have everybody help regulate Judy Gar- Judy Garland's diet. She's like she gets one projecting of day. No, literally. It's just wow. the I mean obviously all of this is so fucked. I'm, the diet thing I can't even fucking begin with, but the the concept of her controlling her to such an extent and using her like her little fucking robot like i know that there's so much more to this than just this aspect but the idea alone i'm still stuck on the idea alone of not only her giving her diet pills but only it actually being speed but also like okay now you need to go to bed so let me just pump you full of some sleeping pills like yeah the idea of just like she's literally not human yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that's like these they don't see they your children like as like property so Jeanette McCurdy actually like her mom was wasn't giving her straight up speed, but oh God, yeah, I didn't realize her mom was really intense too. Yeah, I think her um, memoir is I called like I, I I'm glad my I'm mom's glad my, dead. It's it's like a dark comedy performance. Oh, okay. I think is what it said, but yeah, it's and it's called like I'm happy my mom's dead, and so people like got pissed at that, but she was like the whole point is that it's like the world's not black and white. Like yeah, there's a lot yeah. of bad things that happen and a lot of good things. So. Anyway, True. so her mom pushed her into acting and stuff like that. Um, when and she was like obsessed with Jeanette McCurdy's looks. When Jeanette was ten, her mom started bleaching her hair and whitening her teeth. And then when she was eleven, uh, she learned how to count calories. Her mom taught her how to count calories. So then, when she by the time she was in iCarly, she had anorexia. Um, oh. And Wow. But well, this is the article said um, by the time McCarty la- McCurdy landed the role of Sam on iCarly, she was suffering from full fledged anorexia. 
I was like, why don't you just say anorexia? Like what full fledged full fledged like, <laughs> anorexia? It's like what's what's what not full fledged yeah, anorexia? Right, right, right. Like, like if you have anorexia, make- you have anorexia, period. Like it's right. not like <laughs> it's like full fledged drug addiction. No, it, you're just like <laughs> you're, addicted. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Not to joke about any of these things because they're very serious, right. but I just thought the wording was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, this part is so fucked and also not the only time I've heard of a parent doing this. I think it was actually Britney Spears' dad that did this. Until Je- until until Jeanette McCurdy was 17. So she was on iCarly by then for three years. She started when she was 14. Um, her mom insisted on performing vaginal and breast exams oh and never God. let her daughter shower alone. What? What does she think she's doing? For what? I mean, I have no fucking clue. That's fucked in itself. But what what even in her twisted ass mind? What is she? What is coming out of that? Like, I'm sure it's like some like no secrets between us. Kind uh, of like crazy, you know, like, yeah, just ne- literally needing to know, like, every single thing that ever happens because she's so controlling oh my god so that's what um Jeanette that's part of the reason she's like I'm glad my mom's dead she said because her mom died of cancer um when she was like I think when McCurdy was 17 Jeanette was 17 so and that's when she quit iCarly and she stopped acting after that. She's like, yep, fuck that. Yeah. Um, so she yeah. said, I knew if my mom were alive, I'd still have an eating disorder. It was only distance from her that allowed me to get healthy. Um, and she's recovered. She's like went to intense therapy in 2018. Um, one thing that she talked about that was really, really interesting, which is something I've seen now in a couple more of the stories, like, and kind of was my point is that like, a lot of these child actors, like, it's not like the kid is four years old and is like, I want to be like, I mean, four year olds can be like, I want to be Spider-Man in the next movie, you know, but like, they're not like, (laughs) actually, like, can we please go to an audition and get me on TV? So like the parents like shove them into it. So it's interesting. I've never really thought about like, okay, how many of them like actually hate it? Because usually I kind of like have thought like either they like it, but then like get taken advantage of because they're children or like they're just kind of indifferent. But so Jeanette said, I'm so ashamed of the parts I've done in the past. And I get that this answer is super unlikable. I resent my career in a lot of ways. I feel so unfulfilled by the roles that I played and felt like it was the most cheesy, embarrassing thing. I did the shows that I was on from like 13 to 21. And by 15, I was already embarrassed. Um, I imagine there's a very different, different experience to be had with acting if you're proud of your roles and if you feel fulfilled by them. And that's like, I was like, that's a really good point. Like she was like, this is I don't want to be doing this but like she like had to it's like Damn. I don't know so sad wow yeah that's crazy to me she was so self-aware at yeah like a young age to be like this is cringy as fuck I can't believe I'm I have to do this yeah um well because she was on Nickelodeon too and think about like mean girls at age 15 would be like oh you're a Nickelodeon you know like yeah. that's for yeah. kids um so that's Jeanette Shirley Temple, um, she, her first role was when she was three years old and it was in this short. I watched the short. It was so bad. Um, (laughs) It's called War Babies. It's like 10 minutes long. Um, And so the concept of it is, is like, oh, adorable. It's like basically like 
adults but like played by kids and that could be or played by like babies and so it could be really cute like i've seen stuff like on youtube back in like the golden age of youtube like it was like kids would they'd be like can you like pretend like you're doing an engagement like how would you propose and they like (laughs) acted out and then the adults like voice along and act out the scene that the kids said so it's like cute to like have kids try to do like adult things it's funny but what is weird as fuck is that the concept was they were like at a bar so it was all these soldiers it was all like baby boys like three-year-old boys they were dressed in like soldier uniforms and she was a burlesque dancer and so she was like on the stage like dancing she wasn't doing anything like super like sexual like dancing wise but she had like a off the shoulder little thing and then she like got off stage and she had not one but two boyfriends (laughs) and she they kissed she like kissed them obviously not like make out but it still was like very blatantly like haha like this is what's happening and like it was just like I ended up like I watched the first half and then I like skipped through the end because I was like what the this is so fucking weird yeah so it's like okay no it's not like haha what do kids think that calling the doctor and setting it up, up an appointment is like that's cute let's hear what they say it's like <laughs> oh let's pretend that this woman is like base or this baby is like a stripper and yeah. has two boyfriends and they were like giving her lollipops instead of like money that oh is so so fucked because like literally like like you said it's okay if you're going on with this joke the whole like haha kids being adults like that could be literally anything there are so uh-huh. many ways to be an adult I don't know, a grocery store skit. I don't fucking know. Literally anything, anything. And you choose that, like that, which one that isn't even a common experience for adults, I would say for the yeah. most part. So it's like, it's like you are just doing anything possible to be like, oh, let's just slip in some child pornography up in yeah. here, basically. Yeah. Right. They're like, how can we make an excuse for this? Yeah. Jesus. Shirley Temple described it as a cynical explo- exploitation of our childish innocence. I have something and else to say about it. Sorry. Can I say something this- about that? But- yeah, go ahead. It's not the burlesque thing specifically. Um, I'm not going to get into this. I saw a movie last night that has to do with like grooming and stuff. And literally even that, even the way that that show or whatever it was, that little short was presented itself is literally like grooming. It's like, haha, look, no, we're just having fun. I mean, I know it's acting, but it's like, oh no, see, like right. you're, you're an adult, whatever. And then it's like, oh, but let's just, let's just put on this little dress and like whatever. And like, it's yeah. just like, ew. It's literally gro- like seeing grooming happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so disgusting. No, you're good. She also said that if any of the children in the film acted out, they were locked in a windowless sound booth and forced to sit on a block of ice. What? How do they just Excuse have a block me? of ice? Just blatant abuse. Blatant abuse. Um, and then she said what? in her memoir, she also cited several instances of sexual harassment by studio leads during her childhood career. But she didn't like go into detail. But like sit on a block of ice you couldn't even just lock them in a room you had to be like on top of that get hypothermia yeah <laughs> like people are just fucking evil yeah oh my you, God. like let's just like let's not only just put a kid and just like straight up isolation in a windowless room which as an adult <laughs> i would still be like what the fuck but a child and yeah. you're saying that and like you said it's like that's not enough you also have to sit on a fucking block of ice. Like, what is this? It's like a medieval punishment. Like, what the fuck? I mean, not that they were doing that necessarily, but like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. No, they're just cruel. Um, 
Alison Stoner, you know, she did like she had like basically a statement. She did like a 10 minute long video and she called it the toddler to train wreck pipeline. Um, And it is like really well said. I'm going to like read some quotes from it, um, but it's on YouTube if you guys want to watch it. It's just her point of view on it. And one thing I thought was interesting, the first documented case of like a child star um, was in 1885. Elsie Leslie made it her theatrical debut at four years old. How, so wait, what, what at, year was it? 1885 so that was like the first time the first like documented instance of like a child star not that kids didn't act but she was like the first like child star um and then oh like this i just again she's very well spoken as someone who lived it witnessed thousands endure alongside me i can attest that what is missing from the pipeline narrative are clear action plans for intervention long-term prevention and accountability from studios agencies and guardians um, on behalf of the current children being abused right now, there's an opportunity for us to empower each other through honest conversation and collaborative action. Um, and so I just thought that was, I don't know, very well said. She's very eloquent. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read, this is like a snippet from um, her memoir that she wrote that's like about the toddler to train wreck thing. And it's it's intense as a heads up. So at six years old, I enter a sterile white room where a stranger stands ap- apathetically behind a camcorder on a tripod. On cue, I perform the scene. This morning, I'm being kidnapped and raped. Ending in the fetal position under a chair with my body frozen in fear, I stand up, wipe my tears, and thank the stranger for the opportunity. I walk to the car, ruminating over my performance, comparing my screams to the other kids I heard from the waiting room. As with many parents in this unusual situation, my mother is not versed in how to help me regulate my nervous system. I remain catatonic on the first half of the drive until I remember we're on en route to a second audition for a princess toy ad. On the spot, I manually alter my mood, personality, and outfit so I can win over a new stranger with a camcorder. I need to outperform 900 other candidates. Suddenly, I'm smiling girl number 437. Which, I mean, writing-wise, that was very... I don't know. She did a good job of like yeah. conveying yeah, that. But it's just like so that's another thing. I've thought about like kids in horror movies usually don't know that there's like it's a horror movie or they like usually go to pretty good lengths to like protect the kid. I don't know what fucking scene she was auditioning for, but it's like why is there any at any moment a rape scene involving a child? Yeah. Like, kidnapping is already almost, like, too far, but I understand you literally, like, can't have kidnapping without a little child, literal child actor. But, like, you do not need to be doing – what What story is that important to be told to put a child through that? Like, that's just not necessary. Right. You know? So. Oh, oh, and then she also added that many companies made her work more hours than are legal for a minor that set conditions were inappropriate and hazardous, and that she also experienced sexual harassment. So that made me think of our conversation last week of, or last episode of like, okay, yeah, these laws are in place, but is anybody actually like regulating them? Right. You know? Um. So yeah. I, I have, have something a- to say about the, um, the thing about like the rape scene. I mean, I, I don't know if you, if you know if this was the case. And honestly, I doubt that they would even care to do this because they probably didn't even think twice. 
because why are they having that scene in the first place but like for example i i want to talk about this more at the end of the the episode because it like just is randomly very pertinent like what i the movie i watched last night it's called mysterious skin it was really good but it was really fucked up and it was about like pedophilia and like sexual abuse and shit like that um anyways so i jack told me that he that when they filmed those scenes they did protect the children by like filming the scene separately so like it's like you'd see you'd see the kid experiencing whatever but it's not like there was someone actually on him it was just like the camera and then so like everything was filmed separately so when you said that i thought oh maybe maybe it was filmed separately but i'm like there ain't no damn way that back then <laughs> did they care to do that well no this is allison stoner and she's like our oh age. allison stoner why yeah. am i yeah. thinking judy garland talking about this hold no, on allison stoner. stoner was the one that went through that rape scene thing yeah so she um wow i so even if they did film it separately though you're still like forcing a kid to like act that out oh of course you know like no, you're still of course. regardless yeah it's, it's fucked, like it's super fucked but like i didn't know like the like obviously regardless still traumatic still super fucked to even put a kid anywhere near like any situation resembling that in any way but i thought like oh did they at least care about that or something which i mean you know still traumatic as fuck but like god damn yeah jesus not that it'd be better if it was judy garland but i don't know in my mind i thought like not that it excused it but if anything i thought for something that fucked up it's gotta be back in the fucking 40s but like holy no shit. yeah it was probably early 2000s or jesus. 1990s because i think she's a little older than us actually so it's yeah probably like the 90s yeah um i just have a couple more so ariel winter she plays i can't remember her name she's in modern oh, family modern family yeah she's um... yeah she's who is I she? Remember. She's the middle the younger child. daughter or middle child, yeah. Yeah. So because there's like the curly haired boy, her, and then the like model older sister. Yeah. Um, so this was one thing I kind of was mentioning earlier. Ariel Winter opened up about how acting wasn't her her choice, but it was her mother's. Um, her mother had dreams of being an actor herself. She so she dealt with a lot of abuse and exploitation with or from her mom. Um once she began acting. Her mom put her on a strict diet, neglected her schooling, and her mother also had her dress and outfits that sexualized her. Ariel claimed she, her mom put her in the smallest miniskirts, sailor suits, low-cut things, the shortest dresses you've ever seen. People thought I was 24 when I was 12. If there was going to be a nude scene when I was that age, my mother would have a thousand percent said yes. Um, and then she had like an onset teacher. And the teacher got so concerned by the strict diet that Ariel was on that she started sharing food with her. Um, oh and so God. then Ariel legally emancipated herself at age 14 because she was like, get me the fuck out of here. For a 14 year old to have to like, to even grasp like the situation is so bad that I need to legally emancipate myself is fucking insane. Like that's like an yeah. adult ass choice in a 14 year old. And I mean, a 15 year old too, which you're very more having to make those choices is crazy yeah yeah damn um this one i know i mentioned macaulay Culkin. i was like oh it was his dad apparently this is just a quick thing when macaulay Culkin hosted snl when he was 11 um his father forced him to do it without cue cards and then was like screaming at the rest of the cast that they couldn't use cue cards either what like that like it was just like that controlling and like that psycho um one thing Cole Sprouse, um, uh, one thing he said, Cole went so far as to say that he and Dylan can't even compare their experiences as male child actors to the experience of their female counterparts, which is why he is now 
in his words, violently defensive of former Disney stars who are mocked in the media. My brother and I used to get quite a bit of, oh, you made it out. You're unscathed. No, the young women on the channel we were on were so heavily sexualized from such an earlier age than my brother and I that there's absolutely no way that we could compare our experiences. Which I like, I, that made me really like him. That he was like, like, not that he didn't experience stuff but like for him to be like no there's that added layer and i know daniel radcliffe has said the same thing about emma watson because people were like oh it's weird yeah he had a role where he was like being sexualized when he was like in his 20s after all the harry potter stuff and people were like oh that's so weird that like you're doing that and he was like why and they were like because you were like a child star and he was like well you guys had no problem sexualizing emma from an early age so why is it weird for me I was like bars. For real. Um, one thing, here's a little uh <laughs> a little comedic relief. So he wanted Cole Sprouse wanted to quit acting for good once he was an adult. Um, but he did one more round of auditions before throwing in the towel, and that's how he got his Riverdale part. Oh, God. On Riverdale. <laughs> no way. So, yeah, it was but in a new interview, Cole has now admitted that he has a very complicated relationship to celebrity culture, but revealed that Riverdale had reminded him for his l- of his love for the art of acting. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to say the complete opposite. That he's like, no, I'm really done. No, that's what, it's even funnier that I'm like, Cole, Riverdale, you're calling that the art of acting? Come on, dude. Like, especially like upsetting. the first season. <laughs> that is upsetting because I thought that he, I mean, I already lost this particular hope like when the seasons went on and he was still being Jughead Not, I mean I'm glad that he was in it because I liked like seeing him as Jughead but still like I was always from the beginning just like most people were like how the fuck is he in this is I thought that he like I don't know the way he like his general demeanor and like attitude towards things made it seem like his self-awareness would not make not allow him to be in a role like that so for him to say that is like I can't even That's what I was like him not buddy. right now like yeah no I refuse to that believe would, that he's not trolling saying that. That would be Robert Pattinson <laughs> being like, I loved being Edward. Right. Yeah. Like, like, no. no you didn't. Like, your most cringy role. <laughs> right. Um, one thing, obviously, we know uh, Miley Stewart yeah. was Hannah, or Miley Cyrus. Miley Stewart. I was like, <laughs> so that's part of my thing. It's in my notes because Miley Cyrus played Miley Stewart, who was Hannah Montana. So then when she started performing as Miley Cyrus, people like didn't really distinguish her between Miley Cyrus and Miley Stewart. That's why I screwed that up. Um, And she said it became harder for her to distinguish the two herself. And now she said, I think that's probably what's wrong with me now. I marked that up to doing some extreme damage in my psyche. Which is like, I've never thought about that, but kind of going back to how it's like some some kids were like, I felt like my only like worth was like performing and stuff. Yeah. For it to be like, you feel like your identity is almost completely erased to become like this character. Like that's going to screw you up. Yeah. That's really sad. So this is the last thing I have. It's just um, this guy, Chris, or this person, I don't know what gender they are. This person, Chris McCarty is moving to push a bill um for stuff like internet child children on the internet Mm -hmm. because as we said there's nothing protected um and so the bill that he or the bill that they're pushing uh it would apply to content that generates at least 10 
10 cents per view and has an individual minor featured over 30% of the time. In that case, a percentage of the family vlog's income would be set aside in a trust to be given to the child when they turn 18. At that time, the individual could also request that the content they appear in to be removed from the platform. Oh, yeah. I like that added addition. Yeah. So the other half, they already have that for kids in Hollywood. Yeah, but not for internet. No, I know. I'm just saying that that's already like an established thing. But I like that the that they add that you have the consent to like, get yeah, it removed also get it removed. eventually. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm happy that they he's trying to set that up for kids on the internet because that's yeah. one of the things we we're talking about is that they there's no laws against it. Um. So, it and then in 2018, um. Kansen Chu, who's like part of the California State Assembly, attempted to pass a legislation that would classify social media advertising as a form of child labor, which would require minors to obtain work permits um, to like that would give them protections. But before it was written into law, they like totally weakened it. So the child labor classifications don't apply if a minor's online performance is unpaid and shorter than an hour, which exempts (laughs) much. A lot of kids from yeah. it because yeah. they're like not being paid by yeah so it's kind of like how we were talking about they end up writing laws to be able to work around them yeah so like why even put the law in place right um so yeah i mean it's all really depressing but that's basically just a ton of different examples of ways that parents exploit their own children and basically like more often than not it's the parents who brought them into the thing and obviously not every single parent in Hollywood is horrible you know I'm sure there are a lot of good ones that are very supportive um but when you see these child actors falling off the rails as they get older because they have so much trauma to deal with like it's usually like their parents were contributing or at the very least not helping yeah so yeah all right well I'm just gonna jump right into it as everyone knows clearly there's been so many allegations against directors and producers and people working on the sets, um, not even just like regarding children and child abuse, but like also uh, just against adults in general. Um, and I'm not going to talk about like Harvey Weinstein because I mean, we know he's an abuser, but he didn't abuse. I don't really know if he abused children, but at least that's not really included in the stuff that come out in the past like few years or so yeah um but there have been some like highly revered directors that have been I don't know if they've necessarily been convicted but their allegations have been brought to light and they you know have evidence to back them up and their careers have not been you know hurt in any way really I'm like somewhat of a way they're a little bit disgraced but at the same time like they're not hurting um yeah so first is roman polanski which he's like an older director he directed the film the pianist which he won an academy award for he's received five oscar nominations um he's a very famous actor not actor but director and he so I don't I don't think he's from America. I don't really know which country he's from. Um, but he fled the country in 1977 after he was accused of sexual abuse against a minor. So if that's, you know, anything to indicate yeah. his guilt. 
Um, If that doesn't scream I'm guilty, I don't know what does. Yeah. So he forced a 13-year-old to have sex with him in 1977. Um, Apparently, he allegedly took this girl to Jack Nicholson's house under the guise of wanting her to model for Vogue. Um, And apparently Jack Nicholson wasn't there. So I don't really know how the situation went down in terms of like, how the fuck did they just get into his house? I think that Polanski and Jack Nicholson must have been friends. Yeah. Um, But while they were there. I wonder if he, sorry. I wonder if he brought her there just to be like, I don't know, he knew Jack Nicholson wouldn't be home. And so that's like a place that he could go that's not his own home. Right. And like not in public. Yeah. Ugh, so gross. Yeah, so he while they were there, um, he gave her quaaludes and photographed oh. her topless. Yeah, this was in the era when everybody was doing lewds. Um, and yeah, so they were alone in the house and he essayed her. Which, yeah, I'm going to try to use the terms essay and like R word most of the time because I don't want to like extra trigger people if That's certain words are triggering. Um, but anyways, he did go to court for the our word of a minor and supplying with her with the drugs um he was granted 90 days um of state prison that included a psychiatric avail he asked for 90 days probation to complete a film project and returned his to the u.s for his evaluation and then was released after 42 days um and however he he fled the u.s before his final sentencing so really good job of the um judicial system there well, he had a movie to finish. It yeah. was really important. He's like, I just can't come back now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and he was also accused by a different girl um, in 2010 of being essayed by him when she was 16. So that's like one of the first accusations, I think, that came out against somebody that was like very well known and very higher up. And there's been huge controversy because I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's still to this day, but I'm pretty sure for years after that that was in 1977 so he won that academy award in 2003 so he was still being invited to the to the oscars every year after that happened and like i'm pretty sure that's still a debate today where i think he still is invited but doesn't go because like i'm pretty sure if he came back to the u.s he would be arrested i just like the awards are such a fucking joke any award show i know how long ago did he flee the country? In 1977. And in 2003, they were still inviting him. And I know you said that they might still be inviting him, but in 2003. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yep. They're like, we um, we still like you. Like, so, so he's, he's still, I don't know if he's still directing movies because he's old as shit now. He's 88. But he was still directing movies, like, even after that happened, still getting funding, still working with people in this industry um, and still being revered for it. So fuck him. I, I'm i like, so I didn't know about this man. I've heard that name. I've never heard of these things with this yeah. man. Like, wow. It's just I'm- so screwed up. Like, you know, like when people are like, he's so talented, like just in general, like any man that's horrible. And they're like, well, he's talented. Blah, blah. As if there's not thousands of millions of other people trying to get their break in hollywood you need to stick with this fucker you can't go to any street corner and ask somebody if they want to like show the short film they made for their film class right and people who actually deserve it 
yeah like you really you there's nobody else you could get to direct that film like fuck you right yeah so next up is another person who is even more well known um woody allen i knew you were gonna say that yeah (laughs) so unfortunately i haven't watched the hbo documentary about this um so i don't really know like the complete full story based on what was said in that but the gist of the situation was that Mia Farrow and Woody Allen started a relationship after Mia Farrow was divorced um, and they had a son together in 1987. So at that at that time um, Mia was 42 and Woody Allen was 52. So this was like after both of them had already been married like a few times um, and they they never were married themselves, but they okay. Woody Allen ended up co-adopting Mia's already like the children that she already had. And then they on top of that had their own child. So he's technically the parent, like the father of all the kids, even though they're not married. I just want to make that clear because I feel like so many things that I read made it sound like they were married and I looked up like I just looked up Woody Allen's wives and Mia was not listed so I'm like I I'm confused because I thought that they were married but no they were not um so in January 1992 Mia discovered that her oldest daughter Soon Yi was having an affair with Woody Allen her husband or not husband like I literally just said they're not married (laughs) (laughs) how how old was her daughter so Sunyi was 21 when this started, um, and they both admitted like right away to the affair being a thing. They didn't oh, try to deny it at all. Yeah. So obviously, that situation was highly uncomfortable for everybody, um, and it led to a custody dispute because I don't know why Mia would want to stay with him after that. That's really fucking weird. Um, and during the custody battle over the younger kids um they learned about allegations of sa um which woody allen had apparently committed against one of the younger kids oh my god um i think it was dylan yeah dylan so there's sunyi dylan moses and then the kid that is mia and woody allen's son is ronan who ronan farrow was like literally the person who wrote about the allegations against Harvey Weinstein. And he's very outspoken against his father himself. So if that tells you anything like, Oh wow. Yeah. However though, like, okay, let me just tell the story of what they alleged happened. So during the time, like during the custody dispute, um, Alan was allowed supervised visits with the minor children. And during one of the visits to the Pharaoh's home in which Mia was not there, she left the kids alone with like a few other people. There are a few other adults that weren't just like their family friends. There was a nanny and there was some babysitters. So they weren't completely alone. Um, but during that visit, there was an alleged amount of time that Alan, Woody Allen got, dylan the young daughter alone and sexually abused her in a room inside the house oh my god yeah and so apparently this was reported to the police after the incident took place and she was taken to the hospital 
where she had a rape test um, given to her, which ultimately concluded that she had not been R-worded. And I don't know the inner workings of like how often rape kits are accurate versus how often they're not, especially like using it on a child. Um, So I don't want to like use that as evidence that she's lying or anything. I'm not saying that at all. Um, I'm just giving the information that I read on Wikipedia. Well, and it also doesn't mean that she wasn't like still like sexually violated. Right. You know, it just means like he didn't like I mean, yeah, I don't want to like yeah. get into the nitty gritty. Because I don't know what, like, what stuff it actually they, tests. Is it testing for it like... It looks for like trauma on your like vaginal insides. area okay. um, and your insides. And then um, it takes like DNA, like it swabs for okay. semen. And like they would, if she had like skin under her fingernails, they would take that and like stuff like that. Okay. Um, and so that's why it's like it still could have been, she still could have been violated in such a way that it wouldn't show up on a rape kit right and so it's like not the technical r word but it's still like a sexual violation right and who even knows like if she was even penetrated at all by anything like it could have been something that he forced upon her um, yeah her mouth or something so (sighs) anyways at the age of 28 she reiterated she reiterated her story um and once again said that when she was seven years old, Woody Allen took her by the hand, took her to a dark attic on the second floor of the house, told her to lie on the ground and play with her brother's train, and then he abused me sexually. Oh, my God. Yep. And she said, he spoke to me while doing it, whispering to me that I was a good girl. This was our secret. And he promised me that we would go to Paris and I would become a movie star. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, I did not know. Like, I knew Woody Allen was like fucked up and shit. I knew the things he had done. I didn't know that it was this explicit of shit. Like, yeah, damn, yeah. And he was already fifty-two. Like when oh my, God. they got together. So this was like years after, or like a couple years after. So he was in his mid fifties, and she was seven years old. So obviously, he denied the allegations. Um, Ronan Farrow. <coughs> Supported his sister, um, later becoming the first person to report on Harvey Weinstein's allegations. Um, though Moses and Soon Yi both didn't support her. Mo- Moses said that he had been there that day and that he never lost sight of Alan and Dylan. Um, and that there was never a toy train in the house. And it was a, a, the story was a lie created by their mom. And Soon Yi stated that her mother had been emotionally unstable and abusive in their household growing up. Which I'm like, okay, well, they were also still young. Like, Sunyi was 21, but I don't know how old Moses was. Like, I'm pretty sure he was in his teenage years. So, who knows? Like, these kids could have just turned a blind eye and, like, told themselves that to protect their own psyche, that something didn't happen. So, once again, I'm not going to say that, like, just because two of the siblings don't support her doesn't mean she's not telling the truth like well also one of them was had an affair with him right right so, and they're still of course married. she's gonna take it yeah so she's gonna take his side you know yeah she's not gonna be like yeah he did do that to my sister and we're married yeah so yeah um fuck woody allen he's still making wow. movies to this day people in hollywood are still working with him to this day like very very well-known actors um yeah fuck him and honestly fuck anyone that works with him i like that's i think that's part of the reason why i like i knew about the thing with like his daughter and stuff which 
alone like all, all the shit that i did know alone was already extremely fucked like i'm not saying that it wasn't but i didn't know that so much of it was like straight up essay as opposed to just like not just not just pedophilia but like you know what i mean like i didn't know yeah. i didn't know that it was like that that bad even though god i'm sounding terrible it is horrible <laughs> from the start everything i knew horrendous horrendous criminal terrible this though like i think it's because i knew that he was still making movies and stuff so to hear this like this is like wow because this is like explicitly like how are you even hiding this information yeah. type of thing like everyone knows this information clearly apparently and like damn well because i feel like too like people find a way to like explain away like i don't know there, there's some youtuber who like proposed to his girlfriend this like day she turned 18 so they were clearly dating when oh she was under 18 God. people like look Ugh. past that kind of stuff where it's like the grooming to because they're like oh it's consensual even though children can't consent but i agree like so then it's like oh if that's what you think if that's all you know about the woody allen story it's still fucked up and not acceptable but that's something that people often explain away so then right. for it to be yeah. like blatant like our word of a child is like that what where's the explanation for that you know like there's no yeah. excusing that like not right like, you know like exactly. but people try to say the consent was there in the other situation right and i don't think he was like i don't think he ended up getting convicted for that <laughs> um so people of course try to use that as a way to explain away like oh well they went to court and you know nothing was found so we why should we believe the victim here you know which yeah. i don't agree with obviously but it's fucked up these people so those are like the big two um directors other than i will talk about um a third one but i'm going to talk more so about the victim side now um so there's obviously been many victims of essay by people that are like their employers of children it's just so much and of course half the time people don't report anything they don't come to light <coughs> oh my god my throat half the time people don't like actually accuse anyone and you know, we're not going to victim blame anyone. I think it's very well understood at this point why people don't come to light, especially people who have faced things when they were a child. They're even they're blamed even more so because people say, like, why would you wait 10 years or whatever? And so they you know, it's it's completely understandable why they wouldn't want to put themselves through the scrutiny of being like just torn to shreds by people online in this day and age of people calling them liars and you know saying all this shit so i completely understand why people don't come forward yeah however finn just said hello <laughs> <laughs> oh. um however there have been a few very outspoken people um i'm gonna talk about Corey feldman <sighs> It makes me very frustrated because he's been a huge advocate for child actors who were essayed, and he's even come out talking about his own stories, talking about his best friend Corey Hames' story, um, and he even like made a documentary about this. But he has been 
depicted as somebody who is completely untrustworthy, who is somebody who is like a washed up loser who you can't trust at all, who's just like completely batshit insane because he was addicted to drugs at one point in his life. Oh my God. And it really, it really upsets me to see him painted that way because the shit that he says, I'm like, I completely believe him. And it, it, it makes me so sad to hear him like say, I was reading this, this article from the guardian and this person sat down with him and he was just saying like I don't understand why nobody believes me like it's so frustrating to have nobody like to be ridiculed and to have nobody want to hear anything I have to say just makes me so frustrated for him yeah that's so sad yeah and that's I mean that's he's not even coming out as a victim or did you say he 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 was a victim victim also Especially, like, already, like, being a man, like, in right. society. Like, they're going to, like, first of all, not believe him because he's a man. Because, like, that doesn't happen to men. Exactly. Or boys. But then it's, like, he still, like, obviously, like, being in that industry has somewhat, like, power just because he, like, has a platform. So it's, like, if even he's, like, called a liar and nobody can believe him and he's crazy, like, that's why, I like, day-to-day women, like, they're, like, yeah. why would I go yeah. put myself through that like, right yeah it's so sad yeah so um do you guys know cory feldman he was in um the goonies familiar. he was in the I'm goonies and he was in stand by me yeah. um he was like very he was a hugely popular child actor in the 1980s he was in like a ton of steven spielberg films um just a ton of like really popular films that were around at that time so he started acting at the age of three, um, and he felt strongly that his parents wanted to just make money off of him. He also emancipated as a teen. His mom bleached his hair when he was four years old and also started him on diet pills a few years later. What? Oh, my God. Yeah. So from the start, he was also um, not really he, – he didn't really want to be in acting either, but – when he was the age of 14, he was cast in the movie The Lost Boys with Corey Haim, who Corey Haim also, um, I'll talk about in a little bit. He was also like a very well-known child actor. Um, he like had a hugely popular movie that he was the lead role in that like really set off his career and earned him a lot of critical acclaim. Um, but anyways, him and Corey... They're both named Corey, which is kind of annoying. Um, But both of them were the age of 14 when they met. So they like automatically were best friends because they're like, okay, we're the same age and we're both named Corey. So clearly we're meant to be best friends. Yeah. So Haim confided in Corey Feldman a lot about like the things that he dealt with in the entertainment industry, being a child actor. He confided in him that he had been essayed um, multiple times already by the age of 14. Oh my god. That's so sad. Yeah. And he told Feldman that his his rapist had told him if you want to be in this business, you have to do these things. Oh my god. Yeah. Which, like as a kid, <clears throat> as a kid, why would you question that? Right. Like you'd be like, "Oh my god, like that sucks. Like I don't want to do these things, but I guess I don't have a choice." Right. Yeah. And then a year later, Feldman was being abused himself by John Grissom, who was Corey's onset guardian. So, like we mentioned in our previous episode, 
you can hire an onset guardian to take the place of like being on set with the child. But of course, if that person is actively abusing your child, like that's the worst environment possible where they literally have to be with them all day on the set. Um, John Grissom is a convicted pedophile. So he's actually been convicted in a court and he allegedly groomed Feldman with cocaine and crack when he was 14. This is the on-site guardian or on-site guardian. (laughs) On-site. Guardian (laughs) (laughs) on-site. Groomer on-site. Yeah. So Corey Feldman was out here doing cocaine and crack when he was 14. Wow. And not to mention it was the 80s. So like this was a time where I don't want to say doing cocaine and crack was normal, but it was a lot more prevalent than it was than it is now and it was seen as like more of a fun party drug than it was well okay at least in a non in a racist way crack was seen as like the black drug that you know was for like poor people and then cocaine was like the white drug for rich people but it was a time when everybody was like known to just be doing like cocaine and shit a lot Corey Feldman obviously decided to get away from this onset guardian. Um, I think after he was convicted, he moved on to the next person um, because he was also emancipated. So he has to have an onset guardian. Um, and I don't know if they're like just being assigned to him or what or how they're how he found them. But of course, his next guardian, Alfie Hoffman, also abused him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh my god yeah jesus christ i know um and then also a man named marty weiss who i don't know if he, he might be mentioned in the documentary an open secret but he was a hollywood child ta- talent manager um and he feldman also accused him of being one of his abusers and this man marty weiss is also a convicted pedophile oh my god i mean it's like that's why these people are in these industries because right. they're fucking obsessed with children. Like, it's right. so sad. Like, it's sus as fuck. So, um, by the age of 19, both Corys were considered, quote-unquote, washed up um, by the media, and they were both addicted to drugs and basically unemployable. Their careers were pretty much over at this point. Um, and Corey Feldman claims that he thinks that the industry like purposefully put so much prevalence and like pressure on putting out these media tabloids about court both of them like being addicted to drugs in order to try to make them seem less credible about their accusations against people in the industry which i i honestly completely believe that yeah yeah i would not put it past them yeah like i mean i'm they were definitely both addicted to drugs, but I completely could see how they would do like how they do anything else in the government that they want to keep secret a little bit. They, you know, use people as scapegoats and try to make people seem completely uncredible to try to, you know, make their shit get swept under the rug. Yeah. 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 And unfortunately, Corey Haim ended up dying from his addiction he didn't like die from an overdose but his his battle with his addiction just like went on for the rest of his life and he never really completely got out of that and he ended up dying from pneumonia because his body was just like so 
so unable to help him help itself basically um and after Corey Haim's death um is when Corey Feldman kind of started coming out about Corey Haim's allegations and the things that he went through which that's a different discussion a little bit because Corey Haim's mom doesn't really appreciate Corey Feldman like coming out with Corey Haim's story after his death and like not being able to really give his own side of things um and she like doesn't necessarily believe the extent to which Corey Feldman describes what happened um well like why would he make that up about a friend you know right like they were like best fucking friends too yeah. Especially like during the time when the, that shit was going on with them. Yeah. Well, and as like a 14 year old boy, I feel like you're going to be inclined to like confide in your best friend over your mother when it comes to things like yeah. that. Because that's something that's like it it shouldn't be. But I can see like a 14 year old boy finding that embarrassing to share and like, you right. know, like only wanting to tell a really close friend. Right. But apparently, though, Corey Haim had told his mom that somebody had hurt him and that he had to take it to his grave. So I'm like, how do you not see that as being like indicative that something really serious happened to him? And why wouldn't you believe when Corey Feldman says that it's because of SA? Yeah. Oh my God. That's so sad. Yeah. So one quote that I want to read from what he said um, in this article from the guardian, he says, Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, this is, an article or the in a quote from the author of the article not Corey feldman himself but they said when it comes to sexual assault victims are often deemed to be not perfect enough their sexual history too loose their behavior afterwards too wild yet predators pick off the vulnerable and survivors sometimes process trauma in deeply damaged and self-destructive ways instead of these factors being taken as evidence that something terrible has happened too often they are cited as reasons that the victim should not be believed the focus is placed on the effect, not the cause. That's such a good yeah. point of like yeah. any, yeah, like stuff like Lindsay Lohan. It's like, oh my God, she's gone crazy. Like instead of like being like, what happened to her to make her act like this? Right. right. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But so Corey has come out with this documentary called A Tale of Two Corys, um, which is basically about, it's it's a dramatized version of what, the both of them went through pretty much i haven't been able to watch it because that's another thing like during this interview um that i read he had apparently been like fighting with the insurance company to get them to sign off on being able to produce this movie and like put it up on the streaming platforms because he was allegedly going to reveal the name of like one of the biggest abusers that had abused Corey haim at that time and it was apparently somebody who worked on the film that Corey Haim was like critically acclaimed for called Lucas. He alleged that like the person who assaulted him was a very well-known name that worked on this movie. So he ran, he ran into like all these issues trying to get the movie to actually like be allowed to be produced and put onto platforms. And I'm like, he said, if that's not evidence enough that like, clearly somebody doesn't want me to put this movie out then i don't know what else would be because like he's been trying for so long it finally was produced and put out there for free but now when you try to go watch it it's like nowhere to be found it's i think it's available on one streaming platform 
Um, oh my god that's so sad yeah and i remember when this movie came out because i think he live streamed it i remember there being like all these issues during the live stream of like shit not working correctly and i'm like this uh, that's sus to me like yeah yes that's not coincidence yeah exactly um but like Corey Haim's mom is uh, out here being like why wouldn't he just say the name after all these years blah, blah blah I'm like oh my god you need to be quiet honestly I can't believe she's yeah. still denying it like it's like it's I I thought when you first mentioned that she like you know felt kind of some type of way about Corey mentioning these things like without other Corey having a say I didn't realize when you first said that it would go in the direction of like her denying it like, right? that's yeah, I thought it was like out of respect. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, okay. So also another victim that I don't, I don't, there wasn't like much information about this because it's also kind of sus. Um, so do you know the, the man Isaac Cappy? No. Um, what let me that? look up what he was in because he's an actor too. I don't know if he was, um, a child actor oh i think he was he was in lemonade mouth he was in thor okay um kind of like random movies but either way he kind of went through like so i think people kind of like frame this whole thing as him having a mental break um because he was going he kept going live on instagram hold on let me just see to get context of when this was um okay so yeah so i think that this was in like 2019 he kept going live on instagram and like saying a bunch of of stuff like exposing people in the industry he apparently exposed seth green for being a pedophile he didn't really have like evidence but he was just like on an instagram live like ranting being like seth green's a pedophile all this shit um and he would he said something like a lot of showbiz parents will knowingly give their kids to be abused because they'll just be like oh we'll get your kids roles and money and they take the money and then they just sell their kids people sell their kids they sell their kids for money it's a a very fucked up thing if i'm lying sue me because these are pretty damning allegations that i'm making these are pretty damning allegations so if i'm lying sue me honestly good for him because like if it's true people aren't gonna sue because then it will come out that it's true so good for him and he posted like after posting a bunch of different things like this it's kind of hard to find them on on online now um but after he posted these he posted a a very serious video which was like you can find this one still and it's really fucking like uncomfortable It, it feels like really off for some reason and he said He kept apologizing for what he had said and said that he's a bad guy and that he, quote, let the darkness consume him. And he stated in the video that he's not suicidal and that he didn't do all the stuff for money. And he said something bad is about to happen. And he referenced the Q movement. And in his apparent suicide note and said that Q says they give enough rope to hang yourself with. And a few days later, he jumped off a bridge. Bro. Oh, my God. Obviously, it doesn't make him, like, not believable. But it's like, ugh, you screwed yourself over with the Q thing. Because now know. people aren't going to take you seriously. What? I know. Like, is, is Q, like, like, QAnon? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's what he was referring to. Yeah. That's what, like, fans of it. That's what they have, the like, flags that just have Q. 
and fan. shit. <laughs> Big cute fan. Well, well, yeah, literally, no, literally his fandom. Yeah, um, I think he believes like sec- Q would reveal shit. It's Q because that's the level of security clearance apparently that QAnon has, which is like one of the highest, if not the highest. Right. Just for yeah. So that's just another like sus ass thing where I'm like I don't know because I mean. Of course, you can say you can write down like I'm not suicidal and still be, but yeah, I don't know. It is kind of weird to me. Um, either way. Anyways, another victim is Michael Egan, who accused Brian Singer, which is another very well-known director. Let me just look up. I think he made the X-Men movies. Yes, he made the the X Men movies. He made the movie, the usual spe- the usual suspects. Oh shit! Yeah, and he's like relatively younger. He's only fifty six. Um, but he Michael Egan accused Brian Singer of abusing him at Hollywood parties, which took place at a mansion, and the requirement was for men attending to swim naked. Um, and when he was fifteen, he alleged that Singer R-worded him after forcing him to use cocaine and explained that both Singer and other men threatened him and his family, arguing that they controlled Hollywood and adding, if you do not keep the members of this group happy, we will eliminate you. And (laughs) I know. (laughs) Isn't that so, like, ominous? Um, he also accused former BBC America president Garth Antsier, former Disney Channel president David Newman, and Broadway producer Gary Goddard of participating in the violations and going to these parties. And I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know if Michael Egan is the only person that's alleged um, essay by Michael Egan, but I'm pretty sure that there's definitely also been allegations that include accounts of people going to these parties at mansions where like usually there's a lot of predatory action involving younger men and boys oh yeah that's not the first time i've heard a story like that for sure yeah um so yeah that's like the main victim stories that i found against like that i've i thought seemed more indicative of like a larger conspiracy a little bit um and i don't want to say that as a way to like i don't know i don't want to like conspirize these very real experiences these people had but i do think that like a lot of these are leading to something else like there's there's showing that there this shit is systemic yeah well i was gonna say con- like a conspiracy in the truest nature of it of like they are conspiring together to keep this hidden yeah not a conspiracy like not like a conspiracy theory but truly like clearly the people in power know this is happening whether they're participating or allowing it is you know one neither one is worse than the other they're just horrible in different ways and so yeah yeah, it's like they yeah People yeah. are allowing it to happen and conspiring to not let it get out or like to disprove the people who come out with stories. Right. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but apparently Reese Witherspoon was um, essayed by a director oh when she was a teen. 
I did not know um, that either. Yeah, and so was um, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence was made to, to take part in a naked lineup when she was a teenager um, where she and a group of other women stood side by side with only paste-ons covering their privates. And What the fuck? After they had the degrading and humiliating lineup, the female producer told her that she should use the naked photos of herself as inspiration for her diet. what yeah and then i'm pretty sure after that she was also assaulted like by the director yeah and i'm pretty sure that that was related to harvey weinstein because sounds like some shit he would do yeah i i i'm not gonna say dumois is fact but there was something on there recently about how there's gonna be another doc made about harvey weinstein and people allege that like jennifer lawrence is gonna be in it also talking about him so yeah clearly there's like so much shit that has gone on to to even adult actors now who still probably don't want to talk about their experiences who probably don't even want to like think about those horrible times in their life anymore you know yeah well and it's like it's like you're traumatized in so many different ways like from the act itself happening to then continuing to have to work with that person it's not like not that yeah. being a stranger makes it better or worse but it's just like then you're continuously faced with your abuser right and then you're like your loved ones around you have to know something's going on and then the whole world is praising that person yeah for i was being gonna say producer to see and, them like, like still get awards and to still work and to yeah. still work with like well-acclaimed actors and people that you probably consider your friends and peers yeah yeah um i will ask since not that she saw i want to be like you can't do your part but do we want it i was gonna say do we want to wait and you can like lead even though i'll edit you'll like lead the next one and it will be like all about the psychology because i think we could do a full episode about like psychological effects yes i want to do that and i also would like to end that episode talk about the psych like so after the next episode would we be like then starting to be like talk about actual pedophilia? pedophilia? Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I would like so. to, st- I would also like to talk about the psychology of pedophilia. Okay. Yeah. We could do that as like a preliminary. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. then, yeah. Then we'll go into, I think we'll do that. We'll talk about the psychology. You start talking about the psychology of pedophilia. And then the next one will be like how it's present in our culture. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then I yeah. feel like that kind of will like, maybe we'll do one more after that, but I feel like yeah. that kind of gets towards the end of it. It's crazy yeah. how there is like literally an entire world behind all of this stuff. Like <laughs> I know I I barely even know. I mean, I obviously know about Harvey Weinstein and whatever, but I don't even know the specifics of any of those things because it's it's so vast <laughs> that it's like fucking insane. Like it's so prominent and vast. Ugh, God, so yeah. icky. I know, and well, it's, it's a lot to things- like. Oh, I was gonna say it's a lot to like will yourself to read things that are so horrific and like things that people we know have also faced from people that aren't you know like directors and millionaires but are still just as validly horrible experiences right yeah well and it it's like this is why stuff like the q movement happens because like people that's something we could look at these psychology of is <laughs> like people don't want to believe that this is just how life is they yeah. want to believe that there's some evil corporation behind it or like evil people in power like the clintons and you know 
drinking child blood and whatever <laughs> that like that is more that's easier for them to swallow than the like harsh reality of like no there's just evil people like they're not like monsters they're regular humans that do these things you know right. but it's like it makes sense why stuff like that forms because people are like how could this be happening what's the explanation right all right well that is our episode for this week um Oh my god, my work computer just started. Um, we're gonna get more into the psychology side of things in our next episode. So we'll save all of our thoughts about that um for another week or so. So thanks for listening. I know this was a very heavy episode to listen to, and it's probably gonna be one of our longer ones, but it's worth it to get all that information out there. So with that being said, um, you can listen to us every other Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform that you listen to podcasts on. So, also follow us on social media. Um, yeah, and we love you guys. All right. Bye. Bye.